We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Mavs Moneyball Radio Podcast. I am your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein. A lot of stuff been going on in the NBA lately. We took a little hiatus here. Uh, we'll get to all that. We're going to have a special guest on today. I know I've been teasing this for a while, but we're finally going to have him on. Excited for that. Um, we're going to talk a little draft. We're going to talk a little free agency. Maybe even a little rebranding for the Mavericks. We'll get to all that there in a minute. Um, but first, I wanted to quickly touch on what's going on here in the NBA right now. The Warriors just won Game 5, 106-105, heading back to Oracle, the last game at Oracle, Game 6 of the NBA Finals. And it was crazy because the whole fanfare with Kevin Durant coming back in Game 5, pushing himself 33 days after he strained his calf against the Houston Rockets. Uh, Durant was back in action, and then in the beginning of the second quarter, um, went down, looked very serious, even serious, more serious than uh, originally thought. Uh, and it looks like he tore his Achilles, so he'll be out for a while. So uh, our thoughts are with Kevin, and uh, hopefully he makes a full recovery and gets back to the absolutely fantastic player he once was. So that happened. You have Toronto on the verge of winning their first, or the Warriors making a three-peat and solidifying themselves as one of the best dynasties to ever play in the NBA. I think the Warriors are one of the best dynasties to ever play in the NBA. I've never seen a better team in my lifetime in uh, 23 years. Yes, the Bulls were fantastic. The Lakers were great. But I don't think anyone compares to this Warriors team. I think they're just so, so talented. They're so good offensively and so good defensively, even though they haven't been great defensively in this finals. It's just, it's an absolutely unbelievable collection of talent, and I'm so glad I've been able to witness it. So that's been uh that's basically what's going on in the NBA here. We have free agency coming up in about three weeks. All that changes now that Durant tore his Achilles. He probably opts into his $31 million player option and stays in Golden State, uh, even though he probably won't play. So that rules him out, you know, going to the New York Knicks, unless the Knicks want to still offer him a max coming off a of torn Achilles, which is possible, I guess, but I don't see it. I don't really see that happening. 
it's a very interesting time here. Not sure what direction the maps are going to go yet. Obviously, the same names we've been throwing out there for a long time. The Chris Middletons, the Kemba Walkers, you know, even the bigger fish, the Clay Thompsons, etc. So we'll see what happens there. I think we'll get a little clearer picture um, as as time nears and to see uh, who's going where. But that wraps up that. I want to get to our interview. It's a very special guest, someone near and dear to my heart, the uh, Mavs radio play-by-play man, Chuck Cooperstein. Let's get to that next. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back, Mavs Moneyball Radio. I am your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein. I'm bringing on a special guest today. Uh, he is the voice of the Dallas Mavericks. I believe this is year 15 coming up. He also happens to be my father, and his name is Chuck Cooperstein. How you doing today, sir? Hello, son. Mr. Jeffrey. I don't think I've ever called you son in 23 years I don't on think so earth. either. No. That, that caught me off guard there a little bit. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello. How are you? Good uh, to see you. You too. So we had- We, we don't had, see each other nearly as much as we should. No, we don't, but we'll work on that. It's okay. the summer here. Uh, we had a pretty, pretty seismic change in the free agency plans last night as Kevin Durant tore his uh, Achilles. And it basically has changed the whole landscape of what every team is thinking right now. You know, it makes me wonder just how it's all going to come down. I mean, obviously, Durant has a ton of options. He, you know, he can opt in to his and that, $31.5 million. And that seems the most logical for him. It seems logical, but, I mean, if his agent slash business manager gets a sense that regardless of the length that he's going to be out, which we're all assuming is basically going to be about 10 months, 10 months to a year, and pretty much means he, he misses, he misses all of next year. Season, yeah. He misses all of next year. You know, are, are teams willing to go in on him and say, hey, we don't care if you sit the year. You know, you're, you're still three years of you, or maybe even two years of you, because you have to believe that the contract that he signs is going to have a player out sure. uh, for the last year. So he would miss one year, he'd play two years, and then he would have a player option to stay for that third year, which, man, if you're if you're a team that doesn't have Durant and you're, you're a building team, but you think that if you bring Durant in, it could totally the piece. change your paradigm, I still think that is a huge gamble to take. A huge, because you just don't know with Achilles injuries. And we've seen you know, DeMarcus Cousins back a year, after a year off, 
He struggled. I mean, very, very in and out. Very much so. so. Wesley Matthews came back. He came back super Seven fast, and he was okay the first year. He got better, but he was ne- never the same. Never the same. The only player that you can honestly say was able to make it back to somewhere near the level he was prior to his injury was Dominique Wilkins. And Dominique Wilkins was an athletic freak for the Hawks when he got hurt, uh, you know, basically in the early 90s. But he then later uh, became uh, you know, an all-star player again. And that's saying something. And maybe Kevin Durant is that exception. He's capable of doing that. Uh, he'll always be able to shoot, but will he be able to do all the other things that have made him Kevin Durant? Will he guard? Will he rebound? Will he handle, you know, be able to stop on a dime, pull up and shoot it? All those things that have made him this unstoppable offensive force. Man, I don't know. And and if I'm him, I, but that's just me, I'm ready to take the sure thing and knowing that, that somebody loves me at $31.5 million for next year. And it really sucks, too, because he could have, like, if he stayed healthy, it it's perfectly conceivable that he would have been a top-five scorer of all time. Absolutely. Oh, no question about that. Yeah. Um, and and maybe even a little yeah, higher than it, that. I mean, he's, he's the most purely offensively gifted player I've ever seen. Well, Wilt was for me. Well, okay. I'm 23 years yes, old. Well, yes, we are dealing in different generations, and I'm telling you that Wilt was the most dominant offensive player that this game has ever seen. And, and really, even Kareem, who had – simply the most unstoppable shot that basketball has ever seen. This guy was absolutely unblockable, although Wilt did get it a couple of times. It, he did. Uh, but, yes, to, to your point, certainly in the modern era, he's the most gifted offensive player I think we've seen. I mean, there's just nothing he can't do. I mean, yeah, he's listed at 6'9". He's 7 he's feet. Seven feet. He's 7 feet tall, and he's got a, got a handle of a two-guard. And the, the shooting range of, of Steph Curry and – uh, the ability to rebound and guard, which I think his time at Golden State has sort of alerted the rest of the basketball world to that he's more than this offensive right. force, that he really is a complete player. Uh, and it's 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 a shame. It's it's a real shame what happened here. And I'm, I'm just rooting like hell for him to get back. And to that point, he does bring so much to the table. I'm wondering if a team is willing. Like, And I've I've known the New York Knicks to do some funny things over the last you know 20 years or so. I wonder if a team like them or a team like, I don't know, someone random you wouldn't even think of who would just go out there and give him his four-year max. Well, again, I mean, to you know, bring it around here, would the Mavericks even ponder that? Knowing that they've got two stars, two young stars, assuming they're going to assume that, again, with the Matthews experience, they have the experience in dealing with, with that recovery. And the Mavs are a known training staff to be one of the better training staffs. Absolutely. In the absolutely. I mean, Casey Smith, Deion Calhoun, and Jeremy Holsopel, I mean, they're they're fantastic. They're absolutely at the top of the game when it comes to stuff like this. You know, are are you willing to take another year of probably not making the playoffs? Because you know, the goal this year was supposed to be all about you know, finding that player that's going to get them out of the hole that they've been in for the last three years of 33, 24, and 33 wins and get them in not only into playing meaningful games in March, but hopefully in playing April playoff games in April and May. Uh, are, are you willing to just flush that for the hope that in the 2021 season that Durant, if he were here, 
would join up with Porzingis and Doncic, and you'd, you'd have this monstrous big three, and you would do something that rarely, if ever, happens in basketball, where you go from nothing to something, to, sig- to a significant something, to where you're, uh, where you're skipping steps, where you're not losing in, you're the, in the first round Cleveland. of the playoffs. You're, you're, you're LeBron in Cleveland. Would, would that be the case? It- I I think in well, the, it, I think in the West it's a lot harder to do than it is in the East. Absolutely, and well, and that's also one of the reasons why I don't think the Mavs would try to pursue a deal like that because I think I think they're just they're ready to take the step now and try to get into the playoffs now. I think, and they obviously are. KD isn't isn't going to do that this year because he won't be on the court. Absolutely, I, I think the Mavericks want to win. They they definitely want a star. I mean, that certainly is a goal of theirs entering free agency. They want a star. If they have to settle for you know, several, for lack of a better phrase, B-level parts as opposed to the A-plus part, they'll, they'll live with that and they can make it happen and, and they'll be better than sure. they were last year. I mean, there's, there's no question they're going to be better, but you know, is, is getting, does getting somebody, for instance, like Kemba Walker now or Chris Middleton now, is that better moving forward and, and – getting that cohesiveness that all great teams have and getting it from the get-go and, and doing that now, is that worth it now as opposed to waiting and then hoping that Durant makes a, a really good recovery from his Achilles injury and then you throw him out there with Luka and Porzingis and see how that all mixes? I just I don't see I don't see them wanting to wait another year. I think Cuban wants to win too bad. I think Rick wants to win too bad. It's It just doesn't seem feasible to me that Kevin Durant would be an option. But they're, his teammate... Clay Thompson, if KD opts in, do do the Warriors have to think about giving Thompson a max, a five year max? He can't get a super max because he missed out right, on the All NBA. Right. I think I don't think the Warriors are worried about money. I mean, the Warriors are moving into they'll new- pay that they'll pay that billion dollar luxury tax well, they're going to have to pay. A, in appar- next- well, apparently next year, like their whole deal, luxury tax included, would be three hundred eighty million dollars. That's and, chump change. And again, as uh, as the Warriors. Uh, Esteemed PR director Raymond Ritter has uh, told me, uh, as the Chase Center has been built, that the Warriors have turned from a basketball organization into an entertainment conglomerate. And they own everything that comes through the Chase Center. Every concert, every show. That's all theirs. They they get all the money from that. They're not paying the city of San Francisco. They're not paying anybody. They are taking it all in. And... I mean, literally, the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco should just move their building <laughs> next door and just uh, allow the Warriors to just move their money in there instead of having to go into the city in order to do it, uh, because it's it's just ridiculous the amount of money that they're going to make, and that compare. and that the ownership that uh, you know Joe Lacob and Peter Guber they're they're just not worried about that. They want to keep the window open for as long as they possibly can, and uh, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that, and certainly, let's face it, from Mavericks fans know all too well that uh, the window did not stay open very long for them, and it has led to you know, where they are right now. It's that they were not able to maintain it after winning the championship, and so uh, now they're trying to get that thing rebuilt. The Warriors, I think, understand that, hey, you know, this thing does not last forever, okay? No matter how great it is in the present, it doesn't last forever, so we got to try to keep it open as long as we possibly can. A good comparison, too, because the building is operated by, or the sponsor on the building is Chase, and that's a bank. Well, yes, but, you know, there is the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, 
Yeah. They're, they're a bank. Are they not doing well over there in Philly? Uh, they're doing okay. I mean, because the team's pretty good right now. I'm going to start researching bank buildings sponsored by banks and see how good their teams are uh, and see, I, which I, money, well, see how much ba- money is being put into well, those teams. Bank, bank of America owns uh, has their name on the Carolina Panthers Stadium. No. It's there. There aren't that many big banks anywhere. Everything's no. been consolidated. So it's, it's all your little, your little federal credit unions and all that. <laughs> okay, that's enough bank talk here. Yes. If you are Donnie Nelson and you are Mark Cuban and you are Michael Finley, what direction are you taking this on June thirtieth at six oh one? Uh, I think the goal is to find a star. The, the most available. You make all your calls. You've done your back channeling and whatever. You know, prior to the wait, oh, so so they do talk before six oh one. Of course they do. <laughs> I mean, you know, we see contracts announced uh, like five I, minutes after the gates open. So, I, so, I, I so think yes, that, I think that's like the biggest uh, the biggest myth is that these well, teams just don't talk and they're knocking on your door at six oh one. Well, at, at, at the at the very least, at the very least, the the NFL is honest about it. It's like they have the seventy two hour cheat stage right. before they actually get to free agency. And it's not quite that way in the NBA. But the Mavericks, the goal, regardless of who they wind up with, got to score more points. This has become an offensive league. And, yes, like we've seen what Toronto's defense has done to Golden State in the finals, and it's really quite remarkable. But uh, given how the game is officiated, especially the regular season, which is a lot different than how it's officiated in the playoffs. Even though they say that's not the case promise you it is uh although you know there there have been several games here in the finals where there have been a lot of fouls called yeah. you know, and, and you know they've they've tried they've tried to do it and for the most part i i think the refs have actually been pretty good this series i don't think there's been like one there's been one call where you're like oh my god that might have cost someone the championship no I don't, I don't think we've seen that but you know with the first game there were 53 fouls called the second game there were 48 fouls called there were a bunch called last night uh, i mean but again, it's you know everybody's trying to get away with every last thing right. that they can, and, and and good on the officials for calling that. But back to where we were, and away from official talk. Got to find a way to score. Mavericks averaged 108 plus points a game last year. The league average was about 111, and the league average the highest it's been in a long time. The Mavericks for the last four years have been a substandard offensive team, been a bad shooting team. Um, a below-average three-point shooting team, and given that they are in love with shooting threes in the top five in the NBA in three-point attempts, need to have guys who can make them. Can actually make them, yes. So, or if even if you're not going to make them, you've got to be able to get yourself to the line and get and uh, and make your free throws. Now, the Mavericks were much better in that area last year uh, than they had. They they were dead last for three consecutive years in free throws attempted, fewer than twenty a game. Uh, they were up at one point in the season. I, I don't have the number in front of me, but they were at about uh, 20. At one point, they were about 27 free throws a game. I think only at one point, I think uh, the Clippers and Philadelphia were ahead of them. They may have dropped off as the, as the season you know, kind of came to a close, but they got better in that area. But you still have to be able to do that. And more importantly, you've got to be able to make your free throws. You know, Luka gets to the line a bunch. So almost seven free throws a game as a rookie, which is fantastic. And I, I would expect him to be like at about eight and a half free throws a game next year, but he can't shoot 71%. And that's why a guy like Kemba Walker, okay, he can make threes, make his make free, free throws. throws. He's 86, 87% from the foul line. I mean, he's automatic. Got to have that. Games are too close. The, Ma- the Mavericks played 
the fourth highest number of clutch games last year in the NBA. And they they were far better uh, last year than they were the year before. They were, sure. I think they were 20 and 26 in those games last year. And, um, and the year before, they were 12 and 38. And they were like, they in New Orleans had played the most games uh, that were uh, clutch games, five points or less with uh, five minutes or less remaining in the game. And that's why they've had a lot of ping pong balls. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you got, but, you got but, to win those. But what you got, it, you yes, be, you what got it, to win those. What it shows you is, you know, there's not a great margin for error. You know, the, the games are really quite competitive. Uh, you know, a team that wins uh, that wins 22 games, you know, can play with a team that wins 55 or sure. 60 games, and there isn't a there really isn't a whole lot of difference between them. But in a league that is emphasizing scoring, shooting, uh, really can't guard people anymore, no hand checking uh, out top and even down low occasionally. You know, it's, uh, it's, it can be pretty iffy. That's the goal, that you've got to find somebody who can score. Uh, preferably it's a wing, but at, at, this, at this point, I don't think it really matters. I don't think it really matters at all. A guy that I would love to see – come to the Mavs this year. I don't think it's possible, but a guy like J.J. Redick, who is a knockdown shooter, he's an older guy, but he's. A, I th- feel like he fits perfectly what the Mavs need. He can play the two or the three. He can shoot it from anywhere. He'll be able to shoot till he's 60, like Dirk. Well, he's he's small. I mean, I don't I don't think he's a small forward. I really think he's, he's an off guard. And I think he's staying in Philadelphia on a one-year deal. He, he actually, he lives in Brooklyn. Yeah, and, I remember. And, 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 he, commutes. and he commutes down to Philadelphia for every game and his his wife loves Brooklyn and he's really happy there. I I don't see him leaving. But I mean I understand what you're saying just from the the pure shooting aspect. Yeah, JJ Redick getting passes from Luca and be and, okay and, with and, that. and Porzingis being able to open up the space for Redick to have, you know, nothing but clean looks at it. Yeah, he'd look great here, but I I don't think that's very realistic. Just wait till JJ Redick finds out there's a team in Brooklyn. No, he knows. <laughs> yeah, and and that team's actually getting better too. Yes, that team's getting exactly. that, te- that team is getting better. But uh, yeah, I I think he's. I know he's really enjoyed his time in Philadelphia, and um, you know he hasn't always played great in the playoffs. Uh, but again, you know, you, you got to find a way to get there. You know, you, you got to be in it to win it, like they say with the lottery, and in the same thing with the playoffs. You you in the NBA generally order holds. But if you don't get there, then you have no chance. And and you don't want to be that team like Phoenix is right now. What, Stuck in the middle of nowhere. Like Sacramento has been, what Minnesota was before Jimmy Butler got there and then immediately you know, skedaddled to, to Philly uh, via trade you know, where they had missed the playoffs for, for 12 years in a row. Uh, I mean, Sacramento's missed it, what, 13 straight years now. You just don't want to be that team. And I know, listen – we experienced it here with the Mavericks. The Mavericks went a decade without making the playoffs, and it was miserable. They were the worst team in professional sports in the decade of the 90s. They had the lowest winning percentage in the decade of the 90s. Who wants that? I don't know. My Maverick fandom's been pretty good. They've only Yes, your the, Maverick fandom has been fantastic. They, they've okay? only missed the playoffs like four times in my, in my sports comprehension period. Yes. So that's been good. Uh, there's a couple things I want to get to before we get out of here. One thing, the, the lesser of the player acquisition period – uh, the NBA draft, the Mavericks don't have a first-round pick, but they do have a pick in the high 30s in the second round. Mid-30s. Mid-30s. Yeah. Uh, where, where do you see them going there? Are they going to try to get a guy like Jalen Brunson, who who's a 
quote-unquote rookie veteran who can come in and contribute right away, or are they looking for a project? Well, I think probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> You've gone to two pretty significant extremes. Uh, I think they're looking probably more on the project end. I mean, look, there are a, I think there are a bunch of wings that are going to be available in the second round uh, that I'm really curious about. Lewis King from Oregon is one of them. He was a five-star player uh, out of New Jersey, went to Oregon, and had a fantastic NCAA tournament for them. You know, they got into Sweet 16. He, was, he shot 11 of 18 from three, and he shot about 39% from three for the year. And, and, a, and a good free throw shooter, and that's the type of thing that I think that scouts generally look at as translatable. Uh, he, he very much intrigues me. Dylan Windler of, uh, of Belmont uh, can really shoot it. And I, I think that's kind of what they're looking for. Um, you know, Isaiah Roby in Nebraska, I know is a name that's been mentioned a lot. Uh, I, I think, again, you know, if you're basically around 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, and 205 you to really pounds uh, and, and can shoot it a little bit, I think that's uh, who the Mavericks will be interested in. I was shocked I didn't hear your boy Kowat Noy. That's like your favorite player. I love Kowat Noy. Kowat Noy, though, I, I think he's the kind of guy that needs to be interviewed. Um, you know, he, he was terrific last year, not very good this past year, was hurt a bunch this year, and from what I was told was the kind of kid that you know, did not want to play unless he was 100%. And, you know, every, everything takes on meaning in light of what we saw last night. Right. But, you know, when you're playing 82 games or, you know, however many games there are in the G League, I'm not sure how many games, there's going to be plenty of nights where you're not 100%. Where you're not 100%. You know, this isn't college ball where you're playing twice a week. You know, you may at some point, uh, if you get to a tournament, uh, you know, a, a Thanksgiving tournament or in a conference tournament where you're playing three games in three nights, but it doesn't happen very much. More often than not, you're playing twice a week. Uh, and, you're going to get bumped up. I mean, basket, they say basketball is supposed to be a non-contact sport. It's anything but a non-contact sport. And you got to be able to play through that. And I think that's a question with Kwatnoi right now. So I, th- I think Kwatnoi is a guy that you could see very much uh, on the on the Mavericks Summer League team. Uh, another guy in, in that regard. And I'm very curious about him, too. Uh, he's had knee issues, but Dre Foster from SMU, yeah. uh, hey, he's he was a heck of a player before you know he started having his knee issues. And he, he's... If if healthy, he would be the perfect guy that the Mavs could use as, as a three and D type of player. Exactly. Absolutely, I'd, I'd I'd be very uh, curious and frankly a little bit excited if if somehow they worked their way toward him. So in summary, they won't be doing much in the draft this year. No, won't be won't be getting your Luca. No, no, that that, that, we, that we, we had our excitement last there. year. Yes, that was once in a lifetime, or just like you know in the summer of nineteen ninety eight when the Mavericks traded Robert Trailer. To Milwaukee and got some guy named Nowitzki, and we were all freaking out that night because Don Nelson was trying to explain, well, we did this and we traded for Nash and we we got Dirk and and whoa, 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 whoa just back up and let's go step by step through the whole thing, please, Nelly. And uh, you know, so, and so we you know we had we had that with uh, with Luca, not quite as uh, convoluted as as that night in '98, but uh, but certainly no less dramatic, no less exciting. He certainly justified the Mavericks' faith in him and uh, justified the excitement that he, he brought every night to the, you know, to the American Airlines Center. So uh, we're not going to see that this year. Uh, but, you know, from the Mavericks' standpoint, the real fun begins at 5 o'clock on June 30th.
So on that subject to Dirk, what did you know about Dirk when they drafted him? Did you did you know anything? Had you seen him play in the Hoop Summit? No, I had not seen him play in the Hoop Summit. Had had heard about it. You know that he went for thirty three and fourteen, uh, but didn't really remember that actually in that game he didn't shoot the ball very well in that game. He he got to the he line. Just got to the line a bunch. He got, uh, just like every time, I think he, he made like like eighteen free throws in that game. It was just you know just incredible. But again. Now, those games are not necessarily about the scoring. Sure. Really, it's just, you know, it's the skill level that you show. And everybody knew about it. And people had heard, you know, that uh, Rick Pitino was trying to get him. And, of course, he was working for the Celtics yep. at the time. Uh, and Chuck was trying to recruit him after that, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just remember when they when they got him, I'm thinking, man, Paul Pierce is sitting on the table right there. Paul Pierce would have been, you know, was a plug-and-play guy. Right away, man. You, you you knew what you were getting with him, and he obviously had a great career. But he wasn't Dirk. I was going to say, I think you're happy with the way that turned out. I think out, it right? all turned out okay. One of the last things I wanted to get to before we get out of here, I know it's been a hot topic on Twitter, in uh, on Mavs Twitter specifically, the team rebranding. I oh, know you on. don't want to hear oh. it. I had why, to bring why it up. Are you, why are you doing this? I had to push your buttons. Why? Why? Because why? You're, my, you're, my, you're supposed to love me. No, you, know, I, you don't want me to hate you. I had to push your buttons. I don't think you'll hate me after this. Um, but I, we clearly know your opinion on this. Do, you don't, you don't want to see any sort of change whatsoever, whether it's a change in the logo, a slight change in bringing a different color and maybe bringing a green back a little bit, or just, just a nice refresh. You don't want to see a nice refresh. I love the uniforms. I do. I just, I think. Cause the, all, the, all, you, the, all you care about is if you can read the number or not. You don't care what they look like. I, I listen, blue is my favorite color. Any shade of blue, you know, works for me. So I'm um, I'm happy with that, and anything that contrasts with that blue is uh, is is good. I'm I'm not big on having five different jerseys and things like that. Uh, I mean, and nothing. I, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know that I would be totally opposed to to a logo change, but I you know I look at teams like the Knicks, the Bulls, the Celtics, the Lakers. And they don't change their jerseys. The Lakers did just change. Well, 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 but the Lakers actually went back to their nineteen show their Showtime era Lakers with the with the purple numbers inside the gold uniform, uh, which was a heck of a lot better than the one they had previously. We talked about this earlier. I like the ones that they had in the two thousands with the white numbers and the gold jerseys. Harder to read, and, and that's it, all you care about. And, it doesn't and, matter. And, yes, it is. It is all I care about. It's the only, it's the only thing that matters. It's like got to be able to tell who the <laughs> players are. You otherwise, tell, otherwise, you otherwise I'm not doing them? my job now. I, I really would like to keep my job and would help keeping my job really sort of matters uh, if I can identify who the players actually are. So there you have it. No rebrand for you. No. I mean, I guess, like I said, I'm, I'm not opposed. I, I don't know that I'm totally opposed to it. I'm just saying I really like what the Mavericks have right now. I really wish, frankly, that the Mavericks would bring back the Navy jerseys that they wore back in two, in in the mid two thousands when yes, they were going absolutely. to you know I, I, those were great and those ultimately got replaced by the royal blues which I love you know I, I love those too and it's, the the reason I love the royal blues is because that's what they won the championship in yeah. I call them the championship blues because that's what they are they they're great it's it's just a great look and letters numbers easy to read don't think that the font is dated or anything like that but timeless keep it simple you know. Like what the Jazz did with their 
you know, their third jersey and their they, they, and, and the rainbow and, court. Well, and now they're putting and uh, the Warriors did this too, and everybody's putting down extra to spend you know hundred thousand dollars on on courts that they may oh, use like ten times a year. What, what is that to an NBA team? Well, I mean, every dollar does count. Eh. I mean, okay, let's put it this way: not every team is the Warriors, the Lakers, the Knicks, the the Mavericks do. Just fine, but they're not at that level. The Mavericks and also, Utah certainly isn't at that level. I don't. The Mavericks have not changed their court since 2001. I'm convinced of that. I don't think they've actually. Well, no, they have. Yes, they have. They've changed the lanes for sure. They've changed the lanes where it's it's one color in the lane. There's no. There used to yes, be. Yes, you're right. There used to be like black on the side or. And well, well, no, but like on the side yeah. of the lane, they, the, there were lines on the lane. You no, know, that were the college lane right. and the and the NBA lane. Um, and they, they got rid of that, and it's just you know one square, 16-foot-wide deal, which a lot of people do now. So so for you, simple is better. Always. I'll show you some concepts after. I've seen some pretty cool concepts that uh, – Well, I, I've, seen, I've seen concepts that have come on, uh, on my Twitter feed and what have you, but I can't say that they terribly moved me. And there you have it. There you have it right there. Thank you for joining me today. Good seeing you. Good to see you. Love we'll, you. We'll talk to you soon. Love you. Love you. Okay. That was such a fun interview to do. It's a little insight on um, what our conversations are like just on a telephone on a regular day. That's basically what we do. We call each other. We talk about the world of sports, and it's awesome. Uh, So thanks, Dad, for coming on. That'll do it. Mavs Moneyball Radio Podcast. I've been your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein. You can find the podcast wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you'll find it. You can also find it on Twitter, at Mavs Moneyball. You can find me on Twitter, at jcoopjr 27 Or you can always go to MavsMoneyBall.com. We'll be back soon with another episode of Mavs Moneyball Radio Podcast.